Howdy, gang. Back country and barbells. Joe Shamanic, Jeremy Day, and the other guy on the three-way call, uh, Jason Phelps. Jason, man, it's really cool to have you on for a second time. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. That's cool. We've kind of had some folks on. Um, one Missouri guy uh, talking about COVID. We've had another. We actually talked with um, Dan from Elk Shape, and he's dealing with COVID on the other side of the state. But uh, yep. the, the three of us here on the western side of the state uh, have a, have some interesting things. And 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 I don't know, man. This is it's a new. People are trying to say it's like a new normal, a crazy weird. Um, it's anything but what anyone's used to. I mean, so uh, yeah. <laughs> I actually pulled up a I pulled up a funny article, um, and they say and the they in in this uh, it's a, it's a Ford magazine article, and I can relate to this. And I wanted to bring it up because it says that like seventy percent. It says like streaming is up seventy percent. Um, no internet use is up seventy percent, and streaming is like up twelve percent. And I can tell you with great certainty that um, my increase in streaming is 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 to a show that I don't think's ever been discussed on a hunting podcast. Are um are you guys familiar with the show um Project Runway? Have you ever seen this show? No, I've never heard of it. <laughs> Have you ever even heard of it? Do do hunters know what uh, Bravo TV is? Have you ever watched Bravo? I haven't. Oh my gosh. Yeah, Fellas. <laughs> well, let me tell you. If you if you want to be intrigued by something, uh um bitchy women making dresses, uh Gay men sewing and un, un, um, I don't know, people who are just completely the opposite of hunters. If you want to get their perspective on anything, you need to check out Project One Way. My wife being home more than she normally is, she's taking control of the television, and we can't. Uh-oh. Yeah, it's it's not good. My kids are running around wanting to do fashion shows. They want to do anything but get outside but they're obsessed with this little they're obsessed with this little show so it's actually become like a really weird guilty pleasure for the family have you guys have you picked up anything new on the hbo have you picked up anything new on the stream that you're kind of not willing to you know come on there's got to be something all this increase in streaming i'm willing to admit it but that (laughs) that crazy new show the tiger king or whatever the heck that came out on netflix and everybody's talking and making memes and oh there you go i finally had to cave and start watching it and it is as screwed up as everybody said it was oh bro (laughs) we we well that's why we isn't it funny how we get locked into those (laughs) stupid shows oh yeah i that's what i mean i don't know you know not to get political but you know it's um there's a meme that kind of sums it all up um pretty pretty well um you know there there's somebody's like whispering in trump's ear like hey this COVID 19 yep. thing's out of control what do we do now and they said release that documentary on the crazy tiger guy yeah yep. it, it is it's like what <laughs> how can the world wrap their head around this stupidest show ever made um but but we're sucked in and, and we're watching it now well maybe that's why i started even putting up with this project runway stuff because uh we watched that first and it was a nice let me tell you this it's a nice lead into that the fashion sense of the tiger king actually lines up nicely with what these folks are creating on project runway so um no but i mean folks got to do things with their time right and whether it's you know i think streaming and cable tv and just uh golly especially now that i remember the day before easily put out his stay home stay healthy thing um our family went out to a trail we normally hit which is normally not very packed it's it's a it's a trail down to the sound it's a nice mile and a half loop that ends up being three miles it's a mile and a half down mile and a half up but man that trail was as packed as i ever seen it and i'm like i don't know if we're really social distancing here so i mean when they're telling you to stay in you got to figure out something to do 
Yeah, yeah, and I don't. I'm not a guy that watches hardly any TV at all. Yeah. But um, it's like, oh, we'll we'll sit down and we can watch this. As a, we're all stuck together, might as well watch. Not the kids. The kids aren't allowed to watch that show. But me and the wife will sit down and watch an episode or two every night. Yeah, we. Uh, it was late night viewing for us. Um, yeah, and it gets really interesting. I won't. I won't. Uh, <laughs> won't. Won't spoil alert it for anybody. But I'm going to tell you what. You're, I would tell you this. Uh, go back to the basics after that, because if you go down the yeah, route yeah, I went, yeah. you don't know what you're going to be watching. Um, well, but, I can uh, tell you this, Joe. What's that? I will not be watching that show. Uh, okay. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> you know, it's it's me throwing a bone to the wife. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, you know, what yeah. are you into, girl? You know, let's see what's going on and. Um, our taste in viewing is not the same, but uh, what what can you do? <laughs> but if I'll tell you what's a cool, interesting kind of family thing that we've started doing. We have a whiteboard that we keep in the garage that we normally write like our training on or whatnot. We actually brought it in the house, and um, we just started throwing like topics in the hat, like the kids and stuff and different things, and we've just been playing Family Pictionary. And to be honest, like in a weird way, yeah, we're watching probably a little bit more TV and streaming some things. But the other thing that we're doing is doing stuff like that a lot more than we ever were. Like every night, there's yeah. at least one little family activity where for an hour to 90 minutes, we're throwing the TV off. We're turning all the devices off and we're just kind of doing fun stuff like that, whether it's a board game, card game or or this drawing thing that we've done. That That's that's picked up a lot yeah. for us. Yeah. yeah, good. I mean, yeah, there's always... You know, we can always pull some positives out of this, um, even though it sucks. Yeah, you have to. You go crazy. Um, but <laughs> yeah. but but on a serious note, the the sucky side of it, which you know you know easily in the beginning mentioned or the thought was April sixth and this COVID thing, but it seems like it's. I mean, if I were to speculate, it's going to go a little longer than that, and you know. <sighs> There's some there's yeah. some practical side of this for for hunters who are looking to get out in the woods where you know uh, Jeremy yeah. mentioned before the show uh, youth turkeys gone we're really concerned about um, uh, the general turkey season and you know kind of yeah. selfishly I can sit here and say like you know hunters are the original social distancers and and if you're talking yeah. about grocery stores getting hammered like let us go in the woods and you know can you make a mandate that only solo hunting like what what do you think and speculate on yeah. hunting seasons coming yeah. up yeah that's i mean so i me you know me being selfish as well like i finally drew a spring bear tag a pretty coveted spring bear tag that i have <laughs> a really low chance of drawing oh, even no. after eight years uh, um so fortunately that april 6th date which was Ainsley's original like it's over date is now that date is the day they'll basically it'll decide the fate of my spring bear tag um so i'm very selfishly like oh man really and and just like you guys um, what you just mentioned like how how can me sitting in my truck driving across the state getting out and going in the mountains going to how is that i understand potentially well there's no game wardens to monitor it and so we have to shut down for that but at some point like how it seems just like an overreach of of the, the common sense approach, like if we're if we're truly just trying to to stay at home in order to prevent the spread and, and you know quote unquote flatten the curve, how is this helping in in the management of that? And it's just it's frustrating, um, you know. And, and I, I'm trying not to be selfish on on any front, whether it's me selling you know turkey calls or it's me. I just want to get out in the woods, and it's just like man, it, it just sucks to see that. You potentially in a week we'll find out if I've got the ability to go spring bear hunt or not. Well, I'd imagine there's also an, you know, an economic thing to. I mean, if you're talking about stimulus checks for like 
restaurants and people who are getting hit hard who are hourly employees and stuff what about what about the folks who are like yourself or even you know folks who are selling or managing different businesses in those i remember when we went um turkey hunting last year jeremy how many times did we stop in that little um that little side shop and it seemed pretty busy like i mean yeah, two or three times yeah and 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 yeah. one of them was to buy a tag and this and that if people aren't out buying their tags you're going to talk about I mean, you want to talk about a stimulus every year that hunters throw in towards conservation? It's 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 buying general tags, and if they if they cancel those seasons and and people and they have to refund tags or do whatever they have to do or carry them over what? for next year, there's going to be an economic hit in that regard. Well, that's the other thing. Like you know, I, I'm very careful not to you know just completely bash WDFW. I know they don't have a lot of decision making power. Sure. Um, and this whole thing, you know, it's being directed down by the governor. But I mean, what if does the Fish and Wildlife have any requirement to refund everybody's money since there was no off? I mean, yeah, you can say, well, you had to buy your point anyway, so it was going to cost $14 um, on the bear side. But um, really, there was no opportunity. So would all these people have the ability to get their money back since you know, they all applied hoping for one of these slots and ultimately they didn't? Mm. There wasn't. A, and so I just don't know, like, all oh, the legal, you know, I, I don't know. It's just it's. It's confusing times. It's crazy times, and I just I can't wrap my head around why we can't be allowed um, to go hunt. Um, and the other the other question is brought up, which um, you know I've got a little bit of private land here. Um, you know, there, a lot of people own a lot of private land on the east side. Like, if it's truly a, a COVID nineteen thing, why aren't these people at least allowed to hunt on their own sure. private property unless unless it comes back to like a fish and wildlife um, you know enforcement issue. Mm. No, that's a good point. I mean, especially, and and again, we we can be selfish and say we want to hunt, but we can also be practical and say, well, you know, if I kill a turkey, make a harvest, and get a bear, well, then you know that that's less less of this and that that's coming off the shelves, or me even going into these grocery stores. So, yeah, you can play these. Well, just the conservation standpoint of it too. I mean, it's reducing the flock, the herds, or what have you, or the bear numbers, cougar numbers. Yeah, I mean, those spring bears in the units where we hunt, the, the premium spring bear hunts, I mean, you know, it's it's no, we're talking southeast corner where the elk numbers are, are high, they're getting ready to start dropping, you know, calves, and, and all, I mean, you can run down that rabbit hole forever, but I mean, some of these spring bears, you know, there's a reason they give out that many tags, because some of these things need to be killed, um, you know, to, to help the elk, which ultimately we hope to kill to keep filling our freezer, you know, so some of this stuff needs to, um, you know, stay in balance, and, and uh, it's, it's unfortunate that you know, from a, the, the predator is going to get the, the relief and then we'll probably still have a big game season, which, you know, it, it, it's, I don't know, you know, you can, like I say, you can sit and overanalyze it forever, but. Yeah. And, and speculate on things. I mean, I know there was a weird scenario yeah. in, there was a weird scenario out in, um, what was it with the Tetons this year with some goats where they were getting overpopulated yeah. and pushing some native species around and rather than let hunters go up there and do something, you know, they, they kind of, you know, they got in the helicopters and gunned them down. You know, you'd hate to see, you'd hate to see something like that. I wonder if they're, you know, you'd have to think maybe there's a special way where you couldn't test a hunter who wanted to apply for a tag and get them out there because you just hate to see the, the lose lose where, they're going to have yeah. to go and put these animals down in a really nasty way that doesn't benefit anybody. Well, in Washington, yeah, have they have the hunter, the master hunter program, which is kind of designed for um, that specifically when there's overpopulation or tearing up somebody's land or what have you. Yeah. 
yeah, it's just it's un, it's unfortunate, and um, I I don't know. I it's, guess we'll see. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm selfishly hoping that if they do cancel season, that they won't won't make us give our tags back. They'll at least like uh, they'll make them go to next year. But then I'm sure the Fish and Wildlife will never go for that because then they would miss out on another year's draw. And so yeah. who knows what they end up with? Well, we... the article I read kind of stated, and I, and I could have misinterpreted this, but they said you can use your spring tag for the fall. Which yeah, I thought was kind of hogwash. Yeah, because this unit is a general fall season, anyways. So exactly, um, that's where I mean these hunts are the you know the reason they're a good hunt is because you're able to hunt them in the spring when they're rutting and the onions are popping and mm. and and all of those reasons. Um, so well, we'll cross yeah. our fingers for you as long as you cross your fingers yeah. that because well, <laughs> Jeremy and I, you know, selfishly to keep you know, keep beating this dead horse up or, you know, this infected horse in, in this case. But, uh, you know, we, our goal was to get, take our boys out for their first turkey hunt. You know, it was pretty cool. Um, yep. be, between our last chat and this one, um, you know, Jeremy's pulled a nice Roosevelt out of the woods and, um, you know, I've spooked a bunch of damn elk, which was pretty cool. But, you know, I, I, I notched, I notched my first turkey tag and it was pretty rad. And, and part of it was we took your advice and we brought a gun and a decoy. Uh, the decoy we didn't use, but, um, I, I was able to, to plug a nice turkey for, for my first time. But I was super excited to see my son on his first, like, real man camping trip and we had it planned. So, um, we'll, we'll, we'll cross our fingers for your bear hunt. You cross, uh, your fingers for our turkey hunt with yeah. the boys. Can we do that? Yeah, yeah. I want to see those. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the youth turkey is already canceled, right? Yeah. But at least they can get out during the general if we can somehow salvage some of that. Yeah. So we'll, we'll do that. But, um, hey, uh, so, while we're still on COVID, um, you know, I have a garage set up. I can get after it pretty hard. And, and honestly, my, my training hasn't changed a bit. And, you know, one of the reasons I really like elk hunting is it's freaking hard. Like I haven't packed out my own yeah. elk yet, but I've packed out two of Jeremy's, um, the last two seasons. And I love a pack out and I love training for it. And I think yeah. it's great motivation to stay active. Um, you know, in recent years, you know, you've been doing some, pretty gnarly backcountry hunts and getting up and down some mountains. How are you, how are you staying active right now with all this COVID crazy? So I will be completely honest. So I was at Dan, uh, Stanton's house or Staten's house last, last week when you guys did the podcast. And so we did a CrossFit workout there, pulled the sled, did some farmers. Nice. Um, so I did that. Um, I did one other workout since, but really it's been, you know, push-ups with my daughter on my back. Um, you know, some air squats some planks, I haven't been I haven't been as diligent in my training, um, just trying to keep my diet on point, and uh, you know, and then and then we'll ramp workouts back up. and And I do have the garage set up. I've got a squat rack, I've got a bench, I've got free weights, I've got all the stuff I need to to go out and get a workout in. It's just, um, you know, I hate making excuses, but things have just been kind of crazy with getting videos edited and and everything. So it's just been uh, five or ten minutes of push-ups, air squats you know, planks, some of that stuff on, and then really just watching my diet to make sure that, and, uh, you know, the, the crazy diets that I'm always on, or I just, you know, I think I'm, I was destined to be a, a fat kid. Um, <laughs> so, you know, for, for me, for me, like the working out and diet, always, and working out isn't even that important. Like I've been, since I got home from Salt Lake City, the Western Hunt Expo, I've, I've been um, on just strictly a carnivore diet, which is, so that puts us at about 45 days. Sure. Um, and, and I've dropped 23 pounds without really working out. Good. Um, so it's just, it's just, you know, I just, for me, I just need to eat right. And, 
and I know you guys are, you know, you guys promote the working out and, and Dan does. And, and I do too. If, if in my normal schedule, like I work out every day, it just, it makes me feel, you know, feel good. But I've hunted, uh, I don't like saying this number. I've hunted a couple of years close to, you know, that 280 to 300 pound range. Yeah. yeah. And, and this is, and this isn't a knock on physical. Cause I, I believe, I truly believe you, you get a lot of your mental from the physical prep. Um, I've just got the attitude that I don't care how big and how tired and how miserable this is. I'm going to do whatever it takes to kill something. And I, like I say, I don't want to take away from the physical preparedness, um, but I'm just as good, almost just as good. I can't access areas quite as fast and I, you know, may take more breaks and it may ultimately cost me, but I'm, I'm 90% of the elk hunter I am, even when I'm in the best shape of my life versus when I was probably in the worst shape of my life. Is that, um, like I say, I don't want to detract from being in shape because I think it can only help you. It can only you know, work to our advantage. Um, but that's, I, I'm pretty fortunate that, you know, uh, uh, old man strength or whatever you want to call it, just been doing it enough years that I kind of can just, you know, jump in the saddle and, and get it done regardless of the, the shape I'm in at that time. Well, no, I, I appreciate the perspective. And honestly, what it makes me think about is a couple, a uh, couple things. It's like football camp. Our coaches would tell us, we want you to come in kind of out of shape because if you come in and tip top, all leaned out, ready to roll, you know, you're, you're leaving yourself no room to grow. And, and that was always tough. Yep. And you'd see some of those guys come in looking like a brick shit house, you know, cut up in the best shape of their life. And, and they would, they would have a low ceiling in camp. So, you know, they want you, you know, you got to sweat off some things and do some stuff and, and leave oh, us yeah. some room. So I get that. And, but yep. the, the and other, oh, you got it. No, I was going to, something on that point before we got off of that point, like, uh, I think 2011, 2012, somewhere in there I came in and arguably what we all think, quote unquote, is the best shape of my life. I was down to 220. Everybody around me thought I was dying. I had cancer. Something was crazy. But I <laughs> I basically completely, completely changed my physical appearance and, and everyday life was, was going good. You know, gym workouts, I was just as strong as I was when I was 280. Um, but I got out there in the mountains and realized that I don't hunt very well at 220 pounds. I, and then, you know, and so I, what I thought I did all off season to get myself super lean really wasn't in my favor when I got out to hunt. I felt weak. I felt a little bit sluggish, um, which seemed kind of crazy. And then I just realized for my own benefit, like, all right, you hunt a little bit better at 235. You know, that's just, that's kind of my ideal weight. And so stuff like that, where, you know, without going out and actually testing it on a, on a 20 day elk season, I didn't know that that wasn't the right thing. Yeah, and that it, it's interesting to me. It makes me think of like you know a Ferrari is great, but it needs to be well maintained. And the fact is, like yeah. wh- whether you're soldiering or whether you're elk hunting, I would compare the two, um, being pretty similar. Like you need, you're not going to have optimal conditions under those. So your body not only needs to be able to do stuff, it needs to be able to function under suboptimal conditions. And sometimes when you're, you know, it's like Ivan Drago, right? When he, when he's not in the Russian lab getting juiced up and he's, he's, you know, standing in front of a piece of iron, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to get W's, you know? So, um, now it's interesting, but the the other point to that, that I'll make is I do think you could probably overdo training in, in a sense where it's like, you know, you don't need a 450 pound back squat to 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 yep. conquer an elk mountain but what i do think if you could put your body weight or maybe a 135 pound barbell on your back and hit 20 reps i think that might be something that might be more there so if you streamline things and can 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 operate at an intensity that's slightly above what you might encounter yep. um like you said it'll build some mental toughness give you some confidence for the woods but no i, I like the perspective yep. it, it's trained smart not hard you know um yeah no, but- 
but I still like to look, you know, <laughs> I still want to look good, feel good. Hey, um, yeah. And, and all, all that stuff. So that's, like I said, I still want to get back to the gym when I can, you know, figure out this crazy schedule or what's yeah. going on. I'm, I told the wife, I'm eventually, if this goes much longer, I'm going to have to dust off the garage gym and at least go in there and, you know, do, you know, rep out some, I don't have a ton of weight. And, and just like the scenario you mentioned, you know, I'm a, I'm a big guy. So big squats, big deadlifts sure. are, are my thing. I don't even know if I have enough weight in my, so I'm going to have to be the guy that, well, I can throw 225 on and just squat it as many times as I can. And, and we'll figure out something just to, to maintain. Well, let, let me, I'll make an offer to you. You take a picture of what's in that garage. And cause I've been tinkering with some, cause I have to start training early morning and time efficient, stuff like that. I've been throwing together really nice, like kind of big supersets of big compound movements where I'll hit a little bit of everything, upper, lower, and something for the back. And um, it's been yeah. really good. It's time efficient. I get in and out. And to be perfectly honest, like what you just said, uh, every now and then the wife she'll she'll give me that lat that lat slap. She'll you know she'll give me a little wink. You know yeah. she, she's she's primed and ready for the juice. So uh, uh, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, I'll I'll share you a little bit of what we're doing over here. But um, yeah. uh, as I as I bring up my own wife <laughs> in a weird context, um. One thing I definitely wanted to ask you about as we segue to more towards hunting and into some successful hunts, the, the a cool hunt that you did, and tw- it was probably, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it might have been your last hunt before you close out the season. Um, I was super yep. pumped yep. when I saw you get your wife on a mule deer. And uh, yep. s- selfishly, I am, uh, elk got me into this game because I just think they're pretty rad. But the more I dive into hunting, yep. I'm super intrigued by the idea of getting my wife in the woods and the idea of doing a backcountry mule deer hunt. Um, and and yeah. we can take either of those topics in whatever order you'd you'd like to. But yeah. uh, both of those things just fired me up. Yeah, I love. Yeah, I'm, I'm real careful because you know I'm I'm the, I'm the elk guy, I'm the elk call guy. But I love mule deer hunting almost as much as I love picking up uh, you know a bow and, and chasing them while they bugle. I there's something about hunting mule deer. Um, and, and somewhere in that month of November. And that's, my wife actually came to me and, and uh, I felt a little bit bad when she brought it up, but she realized like, you know, the, the kind of the weight of my heart was to, to hunt with me. And if I was spending a lot of time doing that and she wanted to be involved in, in my passion. Um, and so she brought that to me and, and I'm not going to lie. I sat there and scratched my head like, man, how's this going to work? I, this is, and, and it's healthy. It's healthy for me to get away from her and, and the kid, you know, and it's not in a bad way. It's, it's extremely healthy. I feel like that's my getaway. Sure. Like, you know, I, I'm, uh, you know, maybe it makes me realize how much I need her to organize my everyday life, how much I love her, whatever it is. But I'm like, dang it. She wants to hunt with me. How are we going to do this? I got to set up some, some boundaries. Um, so I, we just flat out, we sat down and I said, Hey, you know, you can shoot a bow and I'll take you bow deer hunting. But archery elk, so if you ever want to bow hunt an archery elk, you're going with somebody besides me. Yeah, yeah. And we just kind of joke. <laughs> and I said, that's, that's time for me and the guys. That's what we do. I don't, um, you know, me and her physical fitness levels are 180 degrees. She's not going to, you know, and nothing against her. She just doesn't train for any of that. She just, um, and, and so we started putting her in for rifle elk takes, and, and she was able to kill a, a great bull. Um, you know, a really good six point in 2017, she drew a tag. And so we just, we strategized on, on how this was going to work and how we were going to be able to incorporate, um, me still getting what I needed out of hunting, but allow her to participate and us to do some fun stuff together. And so that Montana hunt that you were referencing, um, I've always told her that I still want to even do some rifle mule deer hunts with just the guys, but 
we can plan on um, you know going Montana's a super fun hunt. It's relatively easy on them. Um, it's a target rich environment, and so we just me and my buddy Tyson had, and and our wives are good friends, uh, Taryn and my wife Sandy. We just plan. Let's do Montana every other year. We can plan it. We can schedule it. Um, you know, because if you try to do it every year, it may uh, you know, your odds of drawing aren't great. But we figured that we can draw every other year. We can buy our preference points in the off years, and then we can plan. You know, so right now we're on this odd year cycle. We went 2017, all four of us shot our bucks, and then we went 2019, and all four of us shot our bucks. And it's just, it's a really good hunt. Um, you know, we we pass up a lot of deer every day, a lot of bucks every day. Um, and, and ultimately killed some, all four of us killed really good bucks. And so it's just, it's a super fun hunt. Um, you know, we can drive around, we can all hang out, we can all spot deer together. And then our goal on those hunts is, um, you know, let's just try to kill a deer day. Let's find one good deer and whoever's up or whoever's up next, um, you know, we'll, we'll try to kill one a day. And, and we, me and Tyson both put our wives first cause we feel that there's some pressure to get them, them tagged out versus us being greedy and, and, uh, you know, taken out first. But, uh, yeah, my wife loves it i feel extremely bad for her both times we've went there it's been in the negatives almost the entire trip <laughs> it looked cold they've, <laughs> they've they've got it you know we bundle them up we've got all of the you know if i have to give up a pair of my gloves and the first year they struggled a little bit more and then um this past year we doubled up on some of our heavyweight gloves and some of our really heavy jackets and and made sure that they were a little better taken care of not so much for them, but so I didn't have to give up my good gloves this time. So there I was you go. Really taking care of myself. <laughs> and then uh, the the but other yeah, I mean, I say the other thing is you got to teach them how to manage gear. It seemed like the one the one hang up on that hunt was you almost lost a set of uh, knockers. Oh yeah, yeah, we were we didn't talk for a while after that. Um, <laughs> so as we and, and I love my wife to death, but she she. Um, when she gets tired, she gets very angry. Um, and so we were packing this deer out and, and me and my camera guy had the deer and we just, you know, basically get yourself out and try to keep up with us. Um, well, we were on the very, on the first big pole and yeah, I could tell she was getting wore down and tired and it was slick cause there was snow and it was steep. And, um, I looked down and, and I had a, I had a, my, my good pair of binoculars. She was supposed to be carrying out while well, I looked in her coat pocket and seen that it was unzipped. And it had a tag in there. I said, Sandy, your deer tag is in that pocket and your binoculars and zip it up. Well, she was mad at me at that point. And I will do it when I want, you know, kind of her, her response. I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm not asking you again. Um, well, ultimately she did not zip it up after I asked her to. And we get all the way back to the truck and, you know, these, these vehicles are a bomb. Most of these hunting trips anyways. And so we spend about 20 minutes looking through the truck and cannot find the binoculars. I'm like, oh, no, you know, it was a, a long pack out, probably a, a two hour pack out. And so me and the camera guy take off and, uh, almost all the way back to within a hundred yards of where I told her to zip up the nice her coat. The binoculars were laying there in the, in the snow. There it is. Well, it's kind of, remi- it's kind of giving me some things to think about when we take the boys out hunting, Jeremy, what do you think? Yeah. Keep their, uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and that's why I give them all their own stuff and it's all pretty cheap. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's all yeah. my old they, stuff. Yeah, these were my my good pair of uh, binoculars. I had a I was carrying an even better pair of uh, you know binoculars, but she had my other good pair that I personally use most of the time. And um, yeah, it was uh, we 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 made her feel bad for a little bit. She was already feeling bad, but I hit him for a while on the hike back and down. I can't find them because <laughs> she swore that they were in the truck somewhere yeah. that she never 
that she had already put them in there. And I'm like, you sure? She's like, oh, yeah, I took them out. Then to make her feel even worse, I took them out of my pocket to show her that she well, dropped them. It makes me think <laughs> it, it makes me think about the gear selection in terms of, like, you know, packs and stuff and jackets are getting really interesting yep. with all kinds of pockets. But, you know, if, I'll be honest with you. I've been in it. Like, last year I lost I, – I have a I had a great release that I liked. And, um, it, you know, the guys in camp gave me a hard time saying I'm going to lose it because it can't strap to my wrist. And I was hell-bent yep. on proving them wrong. Well – you know, Tim and everybody's <laughs> like, "Hey, you know the the hip the hip the hip uh, the hip pocket on your pack's unzipped. This is that is unzipped. Where are you keeping that thing?" And when you know it, three days into the damn elk season, I lost my release and had to go to my backup. But uh, you know, yeah, yeah. after we all combed <laughs> the woods for an hour and a half, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, so I, I've been there, but uh, I will let you know I got another one, Jeremy. But I bought a holster for it, so we'll see how this goes this year. Yeah. I just I can't I, I can't not I love that I love that hand release uh, a lot that that, yeah, that back yeah. tension. I, yeah, I switched to a thumb release this year, and I have bad. Um, it's gotten better, but I have kind of an anxiety over losing stuff like that, and so I just mm. ended up putting it in my side pant pocket, like my cargo pocket. Yep. Um, but. I bet you I reach down and touch that thing every three minutes on a hunt. Just, all right, is it still in there? Is it still on there? You know, just because I don't want to screw up, but no. Yeah, I wonder, yeah, you, you make some stuff, Jason. Can't you make a wrist holder thing for those back so tension or thumb I releases? Did. I did. I, I put just a really micro cord um, on the, there's a little, mine has a little hole on the, on the uh, locking device. Huh. Um, but what I found is occasionally when I was shooting out my yard, if that thing got a twist in it, mm. it would it would pull tight and screw my shot up, and it wasn't worth the risk. So I ended up just cutting it back off. Um, yeah, there's no ideal spot. Like I was even going to drill and tap like the bottom and put a, a cord through, like because I have a four finger, um, and and it just ultimately I'm like I'll just risk it and keep the spare in my backpack at all times. Yeah, um, that's where you know, I'm sitting. That way it won't get lost, but. Cause I shoot the, um, I, I shoot, uh, I shoot the, um, I shoot that silverback release and that's, that's, that's very streamlined and it's, there's nothing yep. to hook on that anywhere. You know what I mean? I don't know. Besides yep. this little holster situation or throwing it into the, um, throwing it into my, uh, bino pack or just finding, I think I just need to get disciplined and say, this is where it goes. Check it every three minutes. Yep. That's gotta be what's going to happen. I seen right before season and the guy was going to send me one, but we didn't have enough time. Um, there's a guy making Kydex holsters for him now too, that like the, depending on what model you have, like you can clip in. I have that holster. I do have that. I got that. Yep. yep, Now my concern with it was like, how loud would it be? Like if you're in the, you're in the red zone and I got to try to pop that thing out. Cause I know how loud it's loud. It's loud. Yeah. So that (laughs) that was my other concern. Guys like Ryan Lampers that I hunt with, um, when it gets to the go time, he'll just take his thumb release and clip it onto his D loop. And then um, just let it ride there. Um, he's got some moleskin and stuff in certain areas on his on his uh, um, his shoot his quiver so that it doesn't you know hit his tight spot and whatnot. And then he just walks. And I actually employed that a little bit once it gets real close. Like I I just clip my when I'm in a setup I'll just clip my hmm. my uh, release onto the string and let it sit there until I need to grab it. Well, there it is. I might have to, for two things here, I'm going to have to try that. And then also we're going to have to reach out to Ryan and see what his setup is. Well, very cool, man. Appreciate it. Yep. Yeah. I have left about like, I bet you the woods have 20 grunt tubes right now of mine. <laughs> well, you found one last year, didn't you? Yeah. I, every, every other year I found one where I left it and I was like, oh shoot, that's, it, it's still there. Cause sometimes I'm, it's so far up top. I mean, I usually carry two of them now anymore, but uh, the last <laughs> couple of years I've, 
you know, I tie it to myself. I have to, because yeah. inevitably I will set it down and let's go. And then, oh crap. <laughs> well, I think that, the, you know, elk hunting is kind of as it, my, my third year going into my third year with it, it seems to me a little bit kind of like offshore fishing where it's like super relaxed, drink a beer, hang out, talk junk. And then all of a sudden it's like, hurry up and wait, hits you right in the face really quick where you know, shit can hit the fan and you get a bugle and you get excited and you get up and you do things without kind of thinking about it. And it's just, you know, you, you think about things like an archery process and you, you develop all these steps for making sure you shoot straight. But I wonder if there's just the need to develop steps to transition to the next hunting spot or the next bugle or wait, I know yeah. it's really exciting, but check my pocket. Where's my stuff? Get going. Because yeah. I think that's yeah. what brings it, you know, you get excited. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're, we usually just let a pack out and that's like, for me, I don't get too much stuff out. Um, you know, I'm like, every time I get up, I know I got to grab my beagle tube, my bow. And then hopefully if, when I pick my pack up, everything comes with it and then I should be good. Um, you know, it's like phone, you know, everything though, I guess you're still going through something like, all right, touch your pockets, phones in there, releases in that one, you know, some sort of a checklist. Every time you get up, you got everything. Well, I know that uh, I know you have this interesting checklist, but I know that uh, you just released a really cool video of uh, a hunt that you did in Wyoming, which was pretty awesome. But uh, how much did wearing a Hulk Hogan costume interfere with that hunt? I mean, you made the comment that you've been waiting ten years to drag it, but then you had a good you had a bet with a good buddy, and then all of a sudden you got to do this awesome hunt in suboptimal hunting gear. So, uh, do you mind uh, giving us a little uh, little heads up on some personal feelings about that hunt? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it was it was all in good fun. You know, some of my some of my complaining is a little bit, uh, you know, over the top. But it, I'm really, it wasn't that bad a gear, only because the weather was nice and, and uh, <laughs> you know everything everything worked out. But um, it, those pants are tight. I don't think <laughs> that. And uh, I mean, it was it, it's not good. And uh, yeah, I don't want to I don't want to spoil it. Um, it. it you're going to find if you watch the video, um, it didn't really affect the outcome at all. Um, you know, hopefully I've called first light as soon as I got out, uh, you know, cause we work together on, on some stuff and, and partner up and uh, hopefully you guys aren't too mad at me. Um, that, that I kind of showed that you could go out and do this in yellow and red pants and a bright red shirt and a yellow <laughs> bandana. Um, so yeah, it's, it, you know, maybe maybe we'll get more people to watch it if if we do say that yes I was uh, I'm full draw multiple times on bulls um, dressed up as Hulk Hogan. Now I did I did ultimately end up taking the hair and the mustache and the glasses off because it was just it was unbearable. When the wind would blow, I'd have you know nothing but hair in my face and <laughs> and the mustache wouldn't stay on. But uh, it, it's it's pretty comical. Um, we released that hunt at the Portland Sportsman Show at the beginning of February and it's, it's, I always try to say it's as uncomfortable for me as humor, you know, as, as you find humor in it. Um, and, and when we released that hunt, I think people laughed for probably 13 minutes straight from the time. Very cool. It, it, I wouldn't even say anything. They would just show me in the tights again and people would start laughing. I'm like, well, this, is, this is unfair. Well, that's honestly my favorite thing that I've noticed since, uh, Dirk's come on board with you guys. And even, 
even what I've noticed out of the meat eater crew, it seems like they're not you and those guys aren't taking hunting too seriously. But where there's you're still no. you're still a lot like it's still fun. Like okay, yeah, we'll figure it out and have a good time with it. And there's still great camaraderie and good jokes. And and there's a bit of a you guys really self deprecate. I think to the right degree. Yeah, no, and it's important to us that you know we don't you know. And I, I, this isn't directed at anybody, but I think a lot of the people, and, and it is, when you look at hunters, it's a group of, of alpha males, um, you know, for the most part. Right. And, and I think these guys just have this extreme need to show everybody how, you know, good they are or how badass they are or how much better they are than other people. And it's like, I don't, that's not the message I want to send. I, I want to show that, yeah, we can kill things, but we're having, you know, just as much fun or, or you know, than anybody else while we're out here. And, and that's a more important message for me, along with the education. I think the education side is extremely important to me. But, you know, we go out and film these things. It's like, man, this is what hunting was about when I grew up with my, you know, my uncles and my dad and my grandpa and my all my cousins. Like, we just went out and, you know, back then when I hunted around home, it's like, all right, lunchtime at a landing, we'd all meet together, you know, at Jack Bruce so you could eat and maybe you might spot another deer or whatever it may be, but you just sat there and BS'd and joked and, you know, had more laughs than you should have, you know, over that lunch break. And, <laughs> and that's what it was always about for us. And, and that's what I want to, you know, try to show that, that we're still about, like when we get all of my buddies, you know, Nick, John, Charlie, Dirk, any of us get together, like there's going to be, you know, a ton of laughs and, and a ton of fun on those elk hunts. Why we still most of the time get it done. Yeah. In particular, I think we need to get Charlie on the show just as much as you pick at him. <laughs> to, and to be honest, you, can, you you give him a hard time on social, but you know what? Like I, when I went, I went after your um, sports coat talk, I bought a bunch of your calls and just wanted to tinker with and see if I could um, kind of pick up the different, you know, they're all different, right? And like you've yep, a yep. guy looking at him like, oh, it's it's different color tape and whatever. But that latex matters. But I actually of the calls, I my white the white one and Charlie's signature call were my favorite by far. I think you need to. Yeah. I think you need to be pushing that 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 purple call a little bit more. And plus, it looked cool. So we we made a, a change to it this year just because a lot of people didn't like the double read with the lime and the purple latex. We we went back to the drawing board and said, how do we make a call that works? Or the results the same so we actually uh went back to a single but it's a super thick single that's tight so it, it plays um for most of the guys that play the double it plays the same but then the guys that couldn't play the double are able to use it and so it's going to get a lot more traction this year and um, we've already got a lot more feedback um we sold it at the shows and we're just now starting to release it on the website um for current sales but people are really really liking that that heavy heavy single which will be a little bit heavier than that white that you also like so we're we're um, we're in the right ballpark on that one. Well, if you have that signature um, sell-off, you need to. Uh, I'm gonna. I want you to push Charlie in there, and I, I w- I'm going to be his dark horse pusher. I want this to happen for him. Okay. I, that's, <laughs> I really like that call. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, it's a good call. We're going to keep making the version, the original double version, um, but it'll be by request only. And it really just comes down to marketing my brand. If if somebody unknowingly thinks they like doubles, went and grabbed it off the shelf it's really a disservice to, to my old calls. And so we didn't want people randomly picking those and saying, we hate this call. It was a waste of money um, and, and lose some trust. So it was more of a, a marketing slash let's make it so more people can use it um, sort of a, a decision. So the, now does, oh, go, Jeremy. does the, um, the thickness of the latex, will that make it last longer or, it or no? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, the, 
Charlie's call will now um, last longer than even like the Maverick. The Maverick was one of our thicker slash tighter calls as a combination. And, um, you know, the whites got, aside from the purple, the whites got the thickest latex and then uh, Maverick. Um, so, yeah, that, that purple call would be very durable well, due to the thickness of latex. To speak of the durability of the white call, um, I left it in my bino harness over from elk season up until very recently. And the only reason I'm not blowing it right now is somehow my cats got a hold of it and I was behind the toilet. And I'll put a lot of things in my mouth, but I'm not going to put that back in there after that. But before before my cats screwed it up and, and had it, you know, you know, infected it with whatever was in my house that shouldn't have been on it, uh, that call was still hammering. Um, that's the one I bugle challenged with was still that call. Um, so that one, I mean, I would say, I would almost say that for folks out there getting new to this, and you can, what do you think about this statement, Jason? But like, yeah, it might be a struggle to make noise with that first call if it's thicker, but just for durability's sake, I, I like the thicker call too. Yeah, I, I think, you know, we still want the, the new callers to, to get comfortable and build that confidence, but, I mean, there's no reason that, you know, on a, on a long hunt or, you know, on a hunt where you maybe go through calls, like having that white just in there, that way you know that you're never going to, um, you know, the white or the purple or the Maverick or probably our three long just having one of those in your kit gives you that confidence. Like, all right, no matter what, I'm at least going to have a call that doesn't, you know, get blown out or it's at least going to work to the end. Yeah. No, because I, uh, along with it, I left the orange one in the in the in the bino harness as well, and that one, I could make noise with it, but I couldn't, I couldn't, I, I couldn't produce the 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 a good bugle with it. They couldn't get the deep tone that I normally could get without it. Cause so in it, and it speaks to some maintenance. I know in other podcasts you've recommended, like when you're not using them, throw them in the freezer, don't leave them on your dash, things like that. Is there any other things that you'd recommend for folks who are, who are kind of, you know, a little on the cheap side, you know, guys who will go spend 1500 bucks on a bino harness, but still that eight bucks on a call just is something that yeah, they, they can't um, do. I mean, what do you do to maintain these things? Yeah, I mean, it's really just let them dry as much as possible in between use or even on a hunt. Like, if you can carry them in your hand for 10 minutes and let them start to dry out. Um, you know, it just it keeps the things dry, keep them, you know, out of the sun. And then, you know, the, I know you said I was, I was supposed to be giving advice for people on a budget that are trying to stretch the life of these. It is to buy in those, you know, that white, red, purple, but only if you can use those calls. If you can't use them, it's a disservice to buy them. Sure. And then really, uh, you know, turkey calls – um, you know, they're meant to be used year after year, in my opinion. These elk calls being singles, they're almost meant to, you know, get your year out of them and then, you know, plan on buying one or two again next year. Um, just the nature of them. Like a turkey call is no issue. I could use the same turkey call three or four years mm. and, uh, you know, get it to work. But but just the nature of elk calls, um, the stretch, the thickness, everything we need to do, um, you know, just keep them dry, keep them cold, keep them and, and try to stretch them out as long as possible. Or which most people aren't going to like the advice is just don't get into any calling matches with real elk. And then you're going to definitely save the life of that call. Cause the intensity of the call matters a little bit, right? I mean, cause you're putting that latex through, through quite oh, a yeah. bit, you know? So, yeah, there's, I mean, a normal day's hunt. Like if I don't get into a calling match with the bull, the intensity, the amount of time that that call stuck in my mouth and the amount of pressure I'm putting on that call isn't even close to, um, when I'm trying to call a bull in. And so that's those call-in sessions are, are really what destroys a call, mm. in my opinion, because you'll have that thing in your mouth maybe for an hour to hour and a half straight. 
So uh, as we get into a calling session, so I alluded to this earlier. Since our last chat, you know, Jeremy was walking me around the woods the first time, and I was my first elk season. He's walking me around the woods, and and I'm kind of like, you know, deer in headlights the whole season. But then last year, I actually went out a few times by myself in late season, and um, I, although I didn't notch a tag, I was like super pumped because. I'm locating elk, I put a stalk on an elk, I bumped some elk, and, and it, it was still a, a super big thrill. So in terms of like calling setup and, and what I could do maybe on the next level, I think I think the next thing, you know, obviously my next goal is to notch a tag. Like that's the first thing. Like I need to I need to get blood on the on the arrow and make it happen and, and that's there. But in terms of little micro goals for me, like a big thing for me is that interaction. Um so is I guess the question is to 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 take that to the next step and and to have that conversation with with that with an elk, my first one. I want to do this. Um, is it is it cow calling that's going to make that happen? Is it is it that bugle? I mean, for a first timer still looking to get that interaction with the critter, what's a recommendation for me to focus on calling wise in the off season here? Um, you know, I really, I don't think we can just put that like cookie cutter answer to that question. Okay. Um, you know, it depends on the unit. It depends on the bull. If it's a satellite bull, then yeah, that cow call is probably going to work without ever having to even bugle. Now, um, were you able to locate that satellite bull or the herd bull without bugling first? You know, was he bugling on his own? Um, <clears throat> but as far, I would say a little of both. Like I would never go into a hunt not being able to at least make a normal cow call, just a cow mew, and then being able to at least locate bugle or to make a bugle. Sure. Um, so those those two sounds, I think you need to be able to make a little bit of both. And then it's, it's real similar to fishing. Um, you don't know what they're biting on. So you throw the Panther Martin at them and then you throw a worm and then you throw a worm on the bottom and then you throw a worm on the top with a bobber. And you're really just trying to figure out what that specific elk likes, because you might, you know, say there's an elk, you know, two miles in on the trail that he's going to just keep answering cow calls maybe that's a satellite bull that's just running the ridges looking for a cow. Now the next bull you run into a mile down the trail might be a herd bull. He doesn't care if you're a cow up on the, up on the trail, he's going to beagle at you and he expects you to come down to him. And so by sitting up there, cow calling is not going to do anything where you're like, well, dang it, the bull before that, he just came flying into nothing but cow calls. Hmm. So that second bull, you might need to go get into his face, get the wind right and beagle him in. And so that's where I think a lot of guys just like trying to apply a specific well the bugles always scare him away which yeah if you bugle to that first bull he's probably not going to come in because he's tired of getting his butt kicked but you go to that second bull and you get in tight and you bugle that might be your only way to pull him off of those cows um, you know so it's just it's really dependent and that's why it's tough to to apply like a a specific answer to, to that question, I guess. It sounds to I'm me, no, no, it sounds to me like it's keep getting in the woods and figuring it out. I mean, honestly, I mean, cause I, I feel like I yeah, can, I can, you got it. What was that? It, no, I mean, it's yeah. just every time and, and the more education you got and, and a lot of it's just gut checks. Like I can remember back in 2014 in Tucanon, um, we heard a bull beagle and you could hear him. I mean, you could physically like move your hands as he was running up the ridge, probably, 500 yards away from us, you're like, well, he just started in the creek. He just ran all the way to the top. And so instantly you're thinking, like, that's on a herd bull. He would not do that unless he was spooked. Hmm. And if he was, he wouldn't be doing that. And so instantly, you know, me and Charlie are like satellite bulls running these ridges. And you could hear him. He got up to the main ridge. He walked over in our direction, probably 300 yards. And then he started storming down the ridge that we were on, beagling again. He was just, he was literally just, you know, doing zigzags 
trying to find the cows. You know, he's a semi-mature bull, and then we instantly realized that and went straight to cow calls. Um, so, so for instance, like putting as much education, as much knowledge as you can in those situations, and and trying to make sure that you make the right calls, um, you know, could could definitely be to your benefit. Now, if if that bull's big sounding, he sounds like a herd bull. Maybe you can hear a cow around him, and you're going to change your strategy to. to those herd bull tactics where you're probably going to have to get into his grill and, and you know, screw, screw well, his head off. It, it's interesting because one last question on the calling, which is, so I am able to make the noises, and actually it seems like, judging from my hunting partners last year, um, I'm able to really call humans in really well. Um, and, and my buddy, who, uh, another Jeremy who was hunting with us, he was, you know, we were set up pretty good and I was calling and thought I was working a bull and I'll hit, you know, and come to find out it was another, another hunter. Now I never saw the hunter cause the hunter was pissed off cause he ran into, to the other, he ran into my hunting partner, Jeremy, and then he, he ran away there. Um, uh, but so one thing, I mean, we're hunting public land. Um, you know, there are a lot of guys out there. Is, is there... Is there a sequence or a setup or a noise or, or something that, that, that could give you a hint about human versus a real animal? I think it, and that goes back to just more of that experience. Um, I guess my fortune is hearing, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people beagle and knowing, you know, in person at the shows. I, I'm probably 99.9%, you know, I can, I can just listen and be like, well, hmm there's a person can't chuckle like that or a bull, a bull wouldn't have made that weird noise right there. Um, you know, we're, I don't get, confi- you know, um, I don't get it wrong that much. The last time we got it wrong was in Colorado. Um, they actually called me and Dirk in together and we're like, gosh, dang it. But we couldn't hear it from way up on the mountain, but as we got close and, um, you realize, well, you know, that guy's coming in downwind, he's doing everything an elk wouldn't do. It took a little bit more information. And then the next time you be able to be like, that guy's good, but it's a guy. So you maybe, know, um, maybe wind is probably the best thing. I mean, imagine if you could. Yeah. I mean, if that, yeah, if the, if the elk's playing the wind completely wrong, like that's a telltale, but just from bugles, most of the time we're able to like, there's just, there's things, um, even in my own bugle tube as, as well as I've tried to design it. Um, there's, there's some, you know, resonance that just doesn't quite sound perfect. And I can pick that out. Um, you know, so I think it's just a lot of, a lot of time listening to, to bugles and what people are capable of versus that, that real guttural sound of a real elk. Um, you know, it's just, but still, we're going to get fooled. I, I'm sure that time in Colorado wasn't the, the last time I'm going to be fooled. Gosh, and that, that, that sound of a real elk bugle, though, that might be the coolest noise in nature or the history of noise. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's just, it's a it's a chiller, man. Does it get old to hear? Yeah. No, no, I, <laughs> I don't like, especially real elk. Like, I can get tired of hearing somebody bugle yeah. um, in my ear over and over. But as far as, like, real elk bugles and just the, for me, it's cool. You know, we think we've got the, even, you know, guys like me and Dirk, we think we've got this elk calling thing dialed and then, you know, about 90% of the time out in the woods, like, how do they make that sound? Mm. You know, like, why can't I, why can't I make that big guttural roar? Or, you know, why can't I, I, you know, mimic that sound or, um, and that's why I love it when I'm out in the woods, a lot of times our strategy is mimic. Um, so it's probably the best practice ever, but it seems like as soon as we either call that bull and kill him or he runs away, like I forgot how to make that sound. But like in the heat of the moment, like I'm doing everything I can to, to mimic it. And I thought I had it. And then, well, no, I forgot how to do that or, or to continue to make that sound. So, um, no, I never, ever get tired of hearing bulls bugle and the differences between them all. 
Sweet. No, it, I, I can't imagine it would. I mean, and, and still, you know, being fresh new into this, is there any jealousy on your end for does I would ask you this in, in reference to even the Wyoming hunt and as you apply for special hunts, and this is kind of a situation that Dan alluded to um, in our last chat with him, is that, like, there's weird pressure that comes with experience, and there's weird pressure that comes with, um, you know, drawing a special tag. As you kind of grow Phelps Games calls and as, as you grow as a hunter and as you're getting access to even more special hunt uh, hunts, is like... Is is are you feeling that weird sort of pressure still? Or I do, but last year I, I you know, I had two years of, of uh born and raised one point and two point on land of the free and and uh, both years I got shots at bulls, both years um you know, I'd I'd hit those bulls and just had extremely bad luck and, and I you know, after the season I'm the guy and the overanalyzer like, was that due to pressure? Was it due to me not being trained up well enough? Hmm. Um because before that I had never wounded a bull um with archery equipment. I'm like, what's going on? And so I, you know, instantly like what's what's out of the norm? Is it the pressure? Is it the camera? Is it me really wanting to to perform on the series? Um you know, and and um last year I made even with those, you know, extremely coveted elk tags i had two amazing tags the wyoming tag and the oregon tag um i i i rededicated it i i forced myself to have a bunch of fun on those hunts and it just naturally kind of uh you know worked better for me and even in the years uh, the born and raised years of 1.0 2.0 i still had great elk seasons and my wife was able to kill an elk charlie was able to kill an elk tyson killed his i was able to call in that bull for tyson um, you know, not last year, but the year before his biggest bull by far. Um, so I was still involved in great elk hunts and that's really at the end of the year. Like if I'm not the one that's notching tags, but I'm, I'm involved and in helping my buddies or my wife or, um, that's, that's still a win for me, but there is, I'm not going to lie. Even with last year, there's still always a little bit of pressure of, um, you know, you got to get it done. You know, um, if you kill too small of a bull, who's going to talk and, and I shouldn't mm. let those things bother me, but there's, I would be a liar if I said that it doesn't cross your mind multiple times on the hunt. Like, Oh, if I shot that five point, is that, did that, you know, somebody gonna say I didn't do the tag justice or I settled or, um, you know, that, that, that always pops up. And, and I don't know if I'll be able to ever fully get that out of my mindset, um, you know, moving forward, but it's just kind of the, the place I'm at. Is that, do you think that's more your competitive nature or that's, um, a pro, uh, a product of, the success that you've had commercially. Yeah, I think it's, it's, I'm super competitive. Like anybody that knows me or, or knew me back in high school with sports, like I was the guy that did any, anything to win. You know, I played pretty clean, but I was, I, you know, for lack of a better word, a pretty fierce competitor. I did not like to lose. Um, you know, uh, it just, it's just how I was raised. My, my dad, the Phelps family is extremely competitive. I can remember, um, I'll give you a quick story on a district, got a baseball game to go to regionals um my dad comes up to me before the game and, and their ace kyle stover who you know threw in the low 90s um he's my dad's like you're gonna have to hit him on your first i was a pitcher for our team he's like you're gonna have to drill him and and try to get him flustered because the guy was a head case i'm like what hit him and sure enough I, I i agreed with my dad like that's our way to win we're not gonna be able to hit off him. um a couple of us will get hits and we're just gonna get beat um so i can remember you know, very first inning, I'm up there and high and inside, and I hit him. And the guy, you know, he's, he's always aggressive going down the first. Well, now 
I get up to bat, and I don't realize how bad of an idea this was because now I've got a guy throwing 90 at me. And I'm like, I look over at my dad, and I was like, this is the stupidest idea you ever came up with, you know? And, um, you know, and, and uh, I can remember, but that's just kind of the competitor, um, you know? And so when it comes, you know, to go full circle back to, to the reason why I put pressure is, is um, yeah, it's just I want to I be the best me and, and challenge myself to, to not settle. But at the same time, there's always – that little voice in the back of my head, like, man, you know, you've got a, a take you away to 10 years for you can't kill, you, know, you can't kill that small little bull or anybody could have killed that small little bull. Like, and, and it's unfortunate that that does run through my head, but it's, it's, um, it's there. Yeah. Well, we're all guilty of it. I mean, even with training, it's like, you know, you'll spend a year trying to increase your total by a kilo. You'll, you'll, you always want to push for an extra rep. You want to, you want to, you want to do that linear progression and keep it going. I mean, it, it's just, for whatever it is, all humans probably have it somewhere. It's just a matter of sorting out what what's your avenue where you can do that healthy and in, in all aspects, right? Where it's it's healthy enough to keep you yeah. physically going, it keeps your mind active. Because you know, if any, if we, I don't know, man. I, I feel like if we all need anything to sum it up as a, as a human being, it's just challenge. You just have to find the right one, and maybe you know whatever, whether that's elk hunting or or back squatting or 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 barbecue cooking. You know what I mean? Like you, everyone's got to find their thing. Yeah. So, well, very yeah, so well, it's, well. No, it's it it it's it's super cool to to pick your brain about you know all these particular things and um, you know it, it's just you know it's it's cool and and even in my I don't know if you know this but even in my like little health PE class that I teach with my middle schoolers we've brought up Gelp's, uh, Phelps scheme calls in the sense that what I think super cool about your story is the fact that you found a way to you know build your life around what you like to do. And whether that's yep. in the, whether that's elk hunting or my lesson to my kids is, look, if this guy can like make elk calls and find a way to support his elk hunting habit and be happy doing it, that that's a great story. So it's cool for you to come yeah. on here for a second time and just share some of that uh, as we kind of yeah. tie yeah. this thing up. What, what's next for Felp Game Calls? I mean, I know you have a cool video that just released. I mean, it is and you have this cool collaboration with Dirk still working. I mean, um, yeah. what do you think's next for you guys? Um, you know, we're further product development, um, you know, we had mentioned the meat eater guys trying to continue that relationship, do some, you know, stuff that hasn't been announced yet, but do some cool, cool projects, um, with them and, you know, just develop new, new product. Um, and then just, you know, keep going on our adventures and, and, uh, you know, I think that's one thing that separates us from a lot of the other companies, you know, even outside of the game calls is this group that we've built. Um, you know, we have a ton of fun. Um, we're, we're all available on, on social media and we joke around and it's just to build that atmosphere. Um, you know, and it's a little cliche to say, but really we do all this for, you know, hopefully, um, you know, to, to ensure that the future generations are going to have the same opportunities and, and get them excited. And, you know, if, if not for nothing else to be, you know, a good positive, um, you know, role model for anybody trying to, you may not have a, a good mentor or may need some education or advice so that they, be, you know, can become, um, you know, successful out in the woods. So it's just, that's just really, we'll, we'll keep going on hunts. We've got a pretty packed year this year as far as deer and elk hunts. Um, and then the cameras are going to be rolling. And um, like I say, hopefully test out some new products this fall and then uh, release them next year. Well, fire it up, man. Um, I, I, we're looking yeah. forward to it. And uh, I'll say to this, you are approachable. Um, I've slid into your DM a few times and it's how we keep scheduling these podcasts. And, uh, you know, um, 
uh, it's nice to have a guy who's uh, so approachable, so down to earth, and so uh, close to home. Actually, be willing to uh, throw a nodder there to to some guys trying to figure it out. So uh, we'll end this with a we appreciate you, man. Keep it up. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me, guys, and uh, um, be safe through this whole uh, COVID nineteen thing. And uh, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, we can get out and hunt here pretty soon. Yeah, let's just, we'll end it with this. So your speculation: general turkey season is it is it open or is it canceled? Oh, I'm yeah, um, I'm gonna guess it gets closed. I don't think things are gonna be that much better within a week. Um, fingers crossed that. I mean, I looked at some CDC charts today. Yeah. I don't know if there's any accuracy to them or not, but it looks like the the trend's going down. But then they put a little caveat down there that the the recent tests within this like little gray zone might not be back yet, so it might not be dropping like the, the mm. chart says. But fingers are crossed that there's some sort of relief, and maybe they just overestimated or. You know the the the, uh, the statistics they used were all the high end assumptions, and that this thing's over quicker than we thought it was going to be. All right, Jeremy, what do you think, buddy? Are we are we hunting turkey or not? We're hunting turkey. All right. They said the, the peak is in <laughs> two <know>. weeks. <laughs> I like it. All right. Well, um, damn it, just out of pure selfishness, we're hunting turkey. I'm planning this thing out, and we're getting in the woods. So there, there we go. go. We're going to make it happen. But uh, well, Jason, thank you uh, for making this podcast happen. Yep. Um, it's great fun, and yeah. uh, wish Phelps Game Call all the best. How can people find you if they want to get out to you? Uh, we're everywhere. Um, we got a webpage, www.phelpsgamecalls.com. We're on Instagram, at Phelps Game Calls. We're on Facebook. Um, and then, like I say, personally, like if you if you find Jason Phelps' Facebook page versus Phelps Game Calls Facebook page, like, feel free to you know, message me there, and then we're pretty available everywhere. Well, there it is, folks. My son is creeping into my podcast studio. He wants to uh, add on to his. <laughs> he wants to add on to his Lego city. I know Jeremy's probably got Titus yeah. chomping at the bit, and you got some critters at home that you got to attend to, Jason. But it's again, it's been a great time, Jeremy, my man. Thanks for uh, jumping on again, and uh, um, it's always fun, sir. Absolutely. God bless America. Get after it, folks. Have a good yeah, one. Thanks, guys.